0: SQPN.com presents The Secrets of the Hobbit
1: There and back again A Hobbit's Tale By Bilbo Baggins
0: now, Where to begin? Welcome back to The Secrets of the Hobbit and you are listening to a special episode with special audio provided by my good friend Riley Blanton. Welcome to the show. Hi, Father. It's good to talk to you. We are, of course, awaiting the premiere of the third Hobbit movie, The Battle of the Five Armies. You might have listened to our analysis of the theatrical trailer. And just to give us something to chew on, you actually have a special recording that you made when um, in the beginning of September, if I'm correct, at DragonCon in Atlanta. Tell me what DragonCon is, or tell the listeners that don't know what that is.
2: Well, absolutely. I'll tell you what. it's Dragon DragonCon is, is my kind of defining geek event of the year. I always go because it's locally here in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's third or fourth largest sci-fi fantasy convention in the United States. But but what makes it unique other than something like Comic-Con is that it's just basically all fan run, all volunteers. So it's chaotic, it's crazy, it's messy, and it's awesome. Uh, and so there's a huge Hobbit presence, Star Wars presence, all kinds of stuff. Uh, so, but every year in the last couple of years, they've always had some great guests from the realm of Tolkien's Middle Earth. So, uh, I, as as I have in the past, I have le- it, we're getting towards that time of year, the holiday season. Not, I, I'm like the Tolkien Santa Claus. I brought some audio uh, from one of the panels <laughs> I attended there at ReconCon. Excellent. So, th-
0: this was a Hobbit related panel, I, I assume. Absolutely. Yeah. Des- describe one- the
2: scene. How how is I mean how big is it? How many people are there? Are they dressed up as hobbits? <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'll tell you what. The the OneRing.net does an amazing job of running the fan track. So they actually, oh, the, cool. the, the site actually do all of the the administrative stuff and guests, and and so they have a lot of great kind of smaller panels where they do discussions and have like book authors come in and talk about uh, Tolkien's Middle Earth. But then they kind of have the celebrity guest panels. And those are always in one of the larger hotel conference rooms that seats one, 1,500 people. So wow. this is a packed room of about 1,000 folks in one of the big ballrooms uh, at the Marriott Marquis Hotel, downtown Atlanta. And, and who was there? It featured um, three special guests. So we have uh, Jed Brophy and Adam Brown, Nori and Ori from the films, um, and special guest Billy Boyd. Uh, and I have to tell a really quick story before we play the audio, if that's mm-hmm. okay. Sure. If I can indulge myself for a moment. It, it's, it's funny because last year, uh, Billy Boyd was also a guest. Um, and we went to one of his panels. And he was, re- I mean, he was very nice. He, he had a great panel, but it obviously he was very tired. And, and, and when one of, the, one of the folks asking questions during the Q&A portion said, hey, would you grace us with the, uh, with the song you sang from Return of the King? uh and 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 unfortunately he, it was early in the morning and he just didn't fill up for it and 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 the gentleman from i think it was Larry Curtis yeah i think it's Larry Curtis from the OneRing.net did a great job of kind of uh, of smoothing that over he said well i'm sure we'll get billy to come back next year and and maybe feature his whole band um cuz uh, billy is a is also a professional musician and singer as well as actor mm-hmm. and i came back this year and i got in line you better believe i was right one of the first couple folks in line for that q a session and i and, and the guy holding the microphone always like so what's your question aka are you crazy <laughs> and uh, i'd like to ask if billy would now grace us with singing the song and he said no no I, in fact billy's talked to us before he's not going to do that and i was i'll be honest i was incredibly disappointed cuz he is an amazing singer and and yes I, you know you don't want to be lean too hard when when some of these professional actors go to these events you don't want to be like dance monkey dance entertain <laughs> Um, but, but I will say this. Uh, I figured out why. Because if you're listening to this now, in fact, depending on the exact release date, the soundtrack to the Hobbit Battle of the Five Armies is already out. Yes. And in fact, uh, he is featured in the final song. He will uh, sing uh, the last goodbye. So I, I'm sure it was probably like a marketing thing or something. They didn't want to create buzz or something. Probably. Uh, a probably. YouTube video of Billy Boyd singing in a pre-Hobbit panel. So I'm sure they were just kind of being extra careful there. And it, makes, it all makes sense now, but yes. uh, I was very disappointed, Riley, at the time. Uh, well, there's always a reason. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but uh, if you go to iTunes um, You can already pre-order um, The DVD It will be released on December the 9th And they already feature those you know 90 second clips And uh, you know what Before we play Before we move over to your recording uh, Why don't we listen together to uh, uh, the, These 90 seconds of The Last Goodbye Sung by Billy Boyd Many
1: sorrows I have seen
3: But I don't regret Nor will I
1: forget All who took that road with
3: me Night is now Where never light is shone, by silver streams that run down to the sea. To these memories I will hold. With your blessing I will go to turn and last to. Pass
1: I'll remember. Remember everything that happened, the good, the bad, those who survived, and those that did not.
3: Home oh, is behind the world ahead, and there are many paths to tread. Through shadow To the edge of night Until the stars are all
1: aligned Mist and shadow and shade. Will you have peace or war? Shall I will have war. fate? Will you follow me?
4: Larry Curtis, I'm with the Tolkien Track. I'm the director of the track here. I'm also with a website called TheOneRing.net, and it is. Thank you. That's very kind. And I am very pleased, and I feel pretty lucky to host four amazing guests today. So we will do Q&A. There are two folks who are manning microphones. One of them is womaning a microphone. So if they want to stand up and raise hands, if you, we will do a lot of question and answer today. This is about you guys being able to interact with the stars. So without further ado, we'll start to bring these amazing people out. Our first guest, they don't know who's coming out first, so I, I, that'll be curious. Uh, our first guest, you know him best as the star of Master and Commander, sure. Mr. Billy Boyd. <laughs>
3: Thank you. Thank you. I overshot the mark. I got excited.
4: Our next guest has at least a pretty good argument that he's the sexiest elf in Middle Earth, Mr. Craig Parker.
1: This is
5: what the elves were originally going to wear as hats. Oh, there's a bit of tape over there, you can't hear, it's not working.
1: Uh Sorry. Our
4: next guest has so much energy and excitement, he can hardly be contained in one chair. It's Mr. Jed Brophy.
6: I'm
5: so tired Yes Sorry Sleep now It's like a budgie
4: And finally we have all the way from the UK One of the nicest sweetest guys you're likely to meet at the whole convention But definitely as far as celebrities go Everyone's favorite and most handsome dwarf, Adam Brown.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I actually
7: did that pulling the chair thing away
6: from somebody once and they're in the hospital for three days.
4: <laughs> I'm okay now. Hello Adam. Hi. We know it's your first DragonCon and now you've had an entire day to digest and see kind of the amazing thing that DragonCon is. I would love to hear, so everyone else, your impressions of this event.
7: It's a bit bad, isn't it? <laughs> It's just a bit crazy. I, I was on the phone, at, talking to my mum. Uh, I was saying, well, you've got to see this. This is... Should, oh, was it fun? I was like, mum, it's madness. It's madness, you've got to come next time. She went, oh, I don't think I will like it. <laughs> I went, you must come and see it, because it is... Uh, I'm so glad I've come, because it's just... Uh, yeah. When you say, oh, it's a convention, it's not. It's like a festival, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah. It is, it is like a convention. <laughs> yeah, but it's also like a festival. It, it's like a festive convention.
3: It's like it's a con, also a, it's a like con- a party as well. Yeah, it's like a party convention festival.
4: It's a con party convention. Jed? Yeah. Uh, we talked for a minute. You have some pretty cool projects coming up. I do. I think people want to hear about that. They really would dig, maybe that ghost story. Especially.
6: Yeah, I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm actually quite grey. Usually, my hair and stuff, and my pallor. But I just—I had to have it redyed because I just did reshoots for a film I uh, shot in January called The Dead Room, which is a, a 3 handed just three actors and a ghost. It's a ghost story. All done physically. There's no CGI. Um, So it was all shot out in Avalon Studios, which is where I did my first Peter Jackson film, *Brain Dead*. I think it's called Dead Alive here, shot it in the same studio.
4: Time out, let's give it up for Dead Alive. We we (laughs) know that's it.
6: Um, So, it's kind of hard going back to old style filmmaking with no special effects done on a computer, it's all done physically, which is kind of cool. Um, We had flying fridges, fridges with wings, (laughs) the fridge was all voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch, Apparently that's what he does now, just voices and inanimate objects. <laughs> and uh, so that was kind of a cool thing to do and um, they're, they're kind of in the final stages of cutting that together so that we can try and get a distribution deal. It's an independent film, so we, we kind of all did it on the smell of an oily rag. Still smells that rag of oil actually. And um, so that was a really cool thing and then there's so another film I did, it's a, it's a steampunk western set in 2025. And uh, I'm going to do some reshoots for that down on the South Island when I get home. And that's, um, we shot 20 minutes of a feature uh, in April, and we're going down to shoot the rest hopefully next summer. So it was just five days of galloping horses and shooting guns. It's kind of the most fun you can have, and getting paid. It was amazing. So yeah, and that's, that's, that's called Mad Dog Quinn. Um, so yeah, those are the two projects I've been working on.
4: So are, th- are those available online? Like can we go to a website or is there a no, way they're, to... they're both about to launch
6: their, um, their publicity campaigns in the next couple of months. So so watch this space. I had some images I was going to bring but I, I, I forgot to bring the zip drive there on. So,
4: <laughs> yeah, just like you do, you know. Mr. Parker. So, how's it going? Very good, thank you. Uh, tell us about your newest project called Rain. Um, I'm about to experience
5: Toronto winter. Is anyone from way up north? Uh, that way? East coast. It's cold, isn't it? Winters, this polar vortex isn't going away. So um, it's, it's a show, it's, it's had one season on, um, it's a CW show called Rain, Reign, R-E-I-G-N. Um, and it's about French, it's about Mary Queen of Scots, Billy's relative. I thought you meant I look like her there. You do! I do a bit. When do you do this? When I put my ruff up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she got her head chopped off. Is this you? And it's when she was a young gal and she married the French king. So it's, it's all French court and amazing dress ups and horses and about Can you about. do some of your French for us? It's a weird show because we all speak French like this. How do you do? <laughs> It's so nice to meet you here in France. <laughs> and occasionally we have, you know, foreign people come. We had a German in the other day who, um, and he'll go, <laughs> Das ist nicht gut I And then when he speaks French, it's like, Das ist nicht du. Oh, how do you do? <laughs> and we had some Italians and they go, "Un Bienvenuti, how do you do? <laughs> and then we had some Scots in from Mary's land and they were all, Okay, allah <laughs> Mary. So it's going no one has quite any idea what anyone's talking or what accents are going it sounds on.
3: Fantastic. Is it, is it good costumes though?
5: It's beautiful costumes. I like it. And I am the richest, most vain lord in all of France. I'm yes, richer than the king. Yeah. <laughs> so every day I go in and I just have this new shiny sparkly costume. Nice. I'm very happy. I love it. My acting is crap, but my costume is amazing. You mean to say no, no, Craig? No, it's true. My acting's crap because I'm <laughs> yeah, too busy going. Look at my costume. How do you do? It's a bit like the part you played in Lord of the Rings, really.
6: <laughs> oh no, like, that's just a joke. He, he died, Jed. <laughs> he
5: died.
1: <laughs> yeah,
6: but he looked good, dying. A
5: little bit wobbly, chinny.
6: <laughs> <coughs>
4: catering was good (laughs) Mr. Billy Boyd I was really hoping yesterday somebody would ask you about Master and Commander but I think it's an amazing (laughs) film and you did some amazing stuff and it had to be an unbelievable shooting experience so I'll ask you since no one else did tell us a little bit about that experience
3: it was actually real fun it was um, kinda like Lord of the Rings it was another big sort of epic You know, we were in Mexico for six months, and it was uh, Peter Weir who who directed that. Who's an amazing filmmaker from uh, Australia down your way again. But um, he 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 wanted to make it as like um, authentic as possible. So we did things like he he wouldn't allow mirrors, so we never looked at what we looked like because you know we were supposed to be these. Napoleonic sailors. So the opposite of your French <laughs> lord. We weren't allowed, to, like, hair was like that with scars and all that. I remember in one of the battle scenes, Peter was walking past and, you know, there was some makeup uh, costume person putting blood on my shirt, you know, as I, I've, I've got my sword and he's putting all this blood on. And Pete's like, no, we need more blood, we need. And he picked up the bucket and just threw it at me. <laughs> Honestly, I was just like, I was like, oh god, yeah. I get the idea. So, uh, no, it was an amazing, and it was all, you know, it was real boy's own stuff. It was all climbing, rigging, and putting up sails, and we trained for like a month how to sail ships and fire cannons, and it was just, it was was a pretty special time, actually.
4: It seems in this day and age of CGI that maybe that wouldn't be done the same way. Like, it would never be repeatable.
3: And, and, and Peter Weir knew that when he started filming, he says it's historically well known that if you shoot anything at sea, then add, you know, whatever you think you're going to shoot it for for three months, make it six. Because, you know, the camera's on the water and the boat's on the water, they're never facing each other, they start drifting away, you know. There's no way of like, oh no! <laughs> you know, someone falls in and uh, it's crazy. Sharks. Yeah, sharks. And You know, we were, we were out at sea, it seemed like we were out in this boat. And, and there was no camera to be seen, there was no director, it just seemed like we were just sailing a ship. <laughs> And then we'd take it back again and nobody told you to do it. <laughs> but I was allowed to drive it, so I didn't mind. <laughs> Maybe that's why we were never at a camera. <laughs> I'm like
5: I love your training must have been really successful that you drove the ship. <laughs> what do you do with the ship? Do you pilot it?
1: He's, he's oh you sail it. Yeah.
3: <coughs> that's what it is. Well, I sailed it. <laughs> All about Mexico.
1: Smash. Crack.
4: <laughs> I do have to ask one other question to you, Billy. I, I'm a big beet Cake fan. I'll be unapologetic about that. Good, good.
3: As is Jed Brophy. As uh, you'll sure. See. Jed. Jed only
7: has one
4: T-shirt,
3: <laughs> <laughs> and it smells.
4: <laughs> so just remind us what's upcoming and how we follow Bk on social media and just give us the lowdown.
3: Well, yeah, it's good if you could follow Bk on social media. I was saying yesterday it's really good when you're in a room like this with like, you know, 500, 800 people, I don't know how many people are here, but if you all went onto Twitter and followed official Bk, cake that would be a big jump and all the guys in Bk cake would think, ooh, we're doing really good. You know? So do that. And um,
5: are you on iTunes? We are on iTunes. Can everyone. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a buck later, but come and find me. But if everyone goes on and downloads one of their songs Ooh. after this. Or a whole album. <laughs> then we'd be able to. Afford, or everything they've ever done. Yes. Videos, everything. And then you'll go to number one on iTunes and you'll beat Madonna. That'd be great. That'd be great. We did it
3: once on. Uh, remember, it used to be MySpace, wasn't it, <laughs> thing? I'm not that old. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, I can't remember why, but it was things like this that was like gone to MySpace and people did it and we became the biggest band on MySpace, like for one week. <laughs> we were like bigger than Madonna and stuff. I think you were the only, the only band on MySpace. Oh, maybe that's when, yeah, everybody went to Facebook and we were still on it <laughs> and therefore the best.
5: Madonna's sitting at home looking at her account going...
3: Ja, ja, ja.
5: Sorry, Madonna. If you're uh, so
3: we're making a new album as well. So uh, that's another thing. When that comes out, buy it. <laughs> and Is if, it going to be good? Uh, at, at this point, I don't know.
6: Right. <laughs> and and uh, if, if you buy the T-shirt, then you get to do guest vocals on it.
4: Yeah, everybody does. So I was told. <laughs> so <clears throat> yeah, the rest of you gentlemen... Social media is pretty important, you should maybe, this is a good time to tell people how to follow you, how to find you, and how to, you know. First you need a computer or a phone.
5: <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I don't trust myself with Twitter or any of those things, because I know one night I'd have too many Chardonnays, and someone would tell me a joke that I thought was hilarious, and my mum would see it, and I would just be bashed. But um, I, I, have a, I have a fake me out there. Oh. Which is quite exciting. And, so does he um, do a good job? Well, no, he's been very quiet lately. Mm. Or she. But, um, or they. But it was brilliant. They, they managed to be a fake me and I was traveling between places at the time and, and my new apartment didn't have Wi-Fi set up. And in the space of about 10 days this person kind of created me and became me and talked to a whole lot of friends and they went, oh, it's great talking to you. And then they started saying some really bitchy stuff about someone. And it was like, I, I was oblivious to this. Oh, no. And once I finally kind of got hooked up, and I was hiding from the world for a week, and um, got hooked up, and there's all my friends going, have you just said this about so-and-so? Have you just done this? And it was some... Some who d- <laughs> just decided to be me. But it was, um, I sort of wish they'd said worse things, really. <laughs> it'd be fun. But it's, it's quite weird when you suddenly go, oh, my friends have been talking to yeah me... But yeah. it's actually been some, yeah. some crazy... So if you're listening, you're a crazy d- Yeah. <laughs> Please
3: stop doing that. Stop doing Don't that Don't pretend... Now. Well, it's hard to say a- that, a- actually. Enemy has Twitter. He's, um... Brown- I, have, I have the Twitter. You're brown heads. <laughs> brown heads, aren't you? Can we all follow you? Yes. How do we do that? You, um, type in... Not the hashtag one. Head <laughs> At.
7: Brown... Ads. Ads. Adam Brown was gone, so. Who is this Adam Brown? Should we find him? Get rid of him? Destroy I think he's, him? He's an, he's an, actually he's an Olympic swimmer. Oh, yeah. So everyone was tweeting me going, "Congratulations uh, for getting sil- silver in the uh, in the Olympics." I was like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> yeah.
6: I did that. And um, I'm I'm at Brophy Jed. That's Jed
5: with a J, not a T.
0: Jed. Head
5: broke Jit. This is embarrassingly self-promoting. I apologize. No, no, no I,
4: I did it. It's like you an, an evening with the job. Kardashians.
6: Well, Jid's down, Jid's down.
4: The, the thing is, people...
7: <laughs> Sorry. You. Jit, can I just say, as he bent down, I noticed Jed's underpants... With the same underpants that we were given before we put our fat suit on. So, I know they've, probably been, I know they've been washed, but they, they actually probably have the word nori written in there. They do. Nori pants. And they kept saying every
6: morning, I don't know what's happened to your underwear They didn't come back from the wash. He's got, he's got a whole
5: new array of, um, of under, about 120 pairs of
6: underwear, all the
5: same. So there's one, one CGI sequence that was supposed to be in the final, final movie that they can't afford to make now. (laughs) Because they spent all that money on Jed's underwear. So, so when you get to the the final moment and there's the giant big battle and the final moment where the victory comes and you just see a blank black screen, it's Jed's
4: underwear's fault. (laughs) But at least I'm safe and secure. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> I'm sure I'm fired after this. It's been a pleasure. Uh, uh, it is great, though, to hear about social media. We care. even So don't feel like it's self-promoting at all. People want to follow you and want to keep up. So it's absolutely kosher, right, everybody?
7: <clears throat> so do it. Get on the old Twitter fit sphere.
4: Sphere, yeah. Sphere. <laughs>
7: and do- tweet us. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to follow all
6: of you too. So if you could just shout your names up, I'll just write them down. <laughs> start with
4: you. <laughs> so let's take a question from the audience. We'll start on Please. this side. Hello. Hello.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, this question is for Jed. Um, you've been a part of.
4: <laughs> you can see it much better. <laughs>
1: Wow.
0: <laughs> uh, you've been a part of uh, so many of the Lord of the Rings films uh, through different characters. I was wondering, I'm assuming Nori is your favorite, but was there another one that you just absolutely loved doing? Yeah, look, the Snaga
6: character, yeah, why can't we have some meat? That was, that was kind of cool because I, because I got a real taste for hobbits during that. <laughs> it was great, you know. Um, and also because it's such a, a memorable character, a lot of people really love that character, and it was a lot of fun to play. We didn't really worked out how orcs even walk when we came to do that scene. And um, the director decided it might be great if it was like a baby with a full nappy. <laughs> that's kind of how the orc walk was kind of decided on, that that's
0: how it happened. So. Oh, can you demonstrate the walk?
6: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
5: That's... That's why Jed has so many pairs of those underwear. I'm a method actor. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. It's, um, the elves, the elves worked out their way of walking by, um, not a full nappy, but constipation. <laughs> which is, is a good way to base.
3: What oh. about the hobbits? How did you decide to walk, Billy? Um, we just watched uh, Sean Aston. we all just copied them.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey Sean, we love you.
0: Hi, um, I heard that Vigo ended up taking home Aragorn's horse from the movie, so I was wondering if there was anything you guys took home from the movie.
7: What did you take home from the movie? Well, not a horse. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't have a big enough suitcase. (laughs) Mm. Who takes home an animal?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You don't just put a
5: horse in your bag. (laughs) You don't take it as carry-on. Oh, It's got to go through security in case you... Yeah. That, oh, that's, nice. that goes big and then inside is bigger than outside like a TARDIS but yeah. it's a bag <laughs> nice. Well, nice I took. I
7: didn't take well we were given the backs of our chair, we've already embroidered on it um, my Lego character and we were all given, I was just talking to Billy actually this morning about it we were all given our weapons and he laughed <laughs> and he went what's so you got a slingshot (laughs) I was like well everyone got like axes and stuff and like yeah (laughs) so I got my slingshot and a knife which is kind of more like a butter knife but I got that um yeah that's all I got (laughs) and the memories
6: Yeah, Pete, Pete's always had a thing of trying to give you your, your weapons, you know, your principal weapons from the film. I got to keep my nori knives, the ones that go in the back. But from Lord of the Rings, I actually bought one of the horses that I rode as a Rohan, just because he looked really sad to not be filming anymore. So was I he d- tasty? <laughs> he was pretty, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those sandwiches lasted a week and a half. Was... Wow. No, no, he's, still in, he's in a paddock at home. He's actually in the paddock where we shot the Mummakul scene with the big, those big mamakill elephants falling down so he lives in that paddock now, he didn't who want to bought leave. Who the mama
5: kills at the end? Um,
6: I don't know. Vigo. Yeah, Vigo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vigo actually didn't take his horse, he didn't bring his horse back to the States, it actually lives on the farm in Oteki. Jane Abbott who, who owns the horse Florian, she actually keeps his horse Uraeus there so he comes and visits that horse every now and again. Um, so yeah, he didn't actually take it home.
5: He took it to a home. Not that <coughs> So that's, that's what I got to keep. What about you, Craig? Um, my, my weapons and armors went off. It's wandering the world in some exhibition of gorgeous things that every, you know, were made for the film. So it was like everyone else gets their weapons. Do I get one? No. <laughs> you get to see it. Look, there it is in a glass case. Right. Um, but uh, I think really the only thing... I actually do have a few pairs of underwear. <laughs> um, you, always, you always end up with a little... Basically every actor in their wardrobe have, you know, Diesel, Calvin Klein, all your cool underwear, and then you have this really skanky sort of black or nude color plain jockey or something, and they're usually ones you've stolen from Seth. <laughs> um, I have somewhere, I have a box which has some elf ears in it, which, because it's made of gelatin, they're probably just like, they're probably alive now, they're probably evolved. <laughs> They're probably living in the box just going,
1: let us out! Let us out! We hear you!
6: But, but, but that, that, would, that would be an Elvish.
5: Well, they would be an Elvish. They'd be. They're ears, they're not mouths.
6: Yeah, they could be the ear of Sauron Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: that's...
5: Uh, and the memories.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs>
3: yes, well... I took um, 300 horses of Rohan. And I will be attacking uh, America very soon. Uh, no, I... Yeah, Pete had this great thing when it was your final day of filming, <clears throat> yeah, you'd have a bit of a party and they'd show, you know, stuff that you did in the film and, and, and mistakes, you know, gag reels and, and then, yeah, you got your, your, your weapon, that's how I was laughing this morning because, you know, the guys who make these swords, I mean, they're beautiful, real swords. And they come in like an amazing box and stuff, and I thought that's a shame. <laughs> you just get a, a slingshot, you know? <laughs> just <laughs> wrapped in silver paper or something. <laughs> but yeah, so that was the main thing really. And then yeah, I stole some ears and I stole some feet. <laughs> Which over the years, you know, I've, I've given away to like charities and friends and things, and now I don't have any. Which is a shame. So if anybody's got any that I gave you, can I get them back? <laughs> and the memories. Yeah.
5: <laughs> I love the idea that on different spaces around the world there are these little hairy things going. You <laughs> just happened to... Must get down, little Billy! <laughs> walking their little, bruised, beaten, bloody feet across continents to be with you. Yeah. And just as they arrive somewhere, like they just walk into Atlanta.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
5: you jump into the
2: airport <laughs> on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> ah, sh**. Get. Get to LA!
4: <laughs> so, I'm gonna follow up. I'm a little curious. Yep. Oh, Was there anything yeah. that you wished you could have kept? Maybe a prop or an artifact? Anything you shit. saw that you really wanted? <laughs>
5: Keep her in a little box and just every now and again go
6: ah. <laughs> I was actually I was actually Kate's driver on the first day she arrived in New Zealand and she told me off because I wouldn't watch the road.
5: See, <laughs> <laughs> could you please watch the road? Like sure. <laughs> See if she was at home in my box, she wouldn't just as she starts would you please let me out of <laughs> the Let me out of the I wanna go <laughs> Let me out of the box. Please. <laughs> gonna take the ear. <yeah. laughs> <laughs> All right. It would have been kinda
6: cool to have a wag as a pet. Briefly. You know? Just, if the neighbour's dog started barking, be like, don't do that. <laughs> and if you do, you're gonna end up as food. I'm telling you. You and your whole family. I mean, imagine having a wag as a pet, as a guard wag. guard wag. No one would ever come on your property. Never get any posts, no one ever read the meter. Well maybe once.
4: (laughs) 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 Well, I think we'd better have another question. (laughs) Fast as possible. On this side, please.
2: Hello. Hello. Good afternoon. Uh,
4: with some of you, you, you didn't—you um, didn't have a lot of time on screen to d- develop your characters um, on camera. But did you come up with backstories for your characters in order to? Oh, he would do this in this screen or this shot or something like that.
2: Just like any any sort of like. Uh, Nori and Ori were brothers, how did they interact with each other? Uh, it's
4: yeah. a great question. Yeah, we
6: did an awful lot of acting in restaurants <laughs> as our brothers. We, did, we had eight weeks of boot camp to kind of develop those family units and that was really, really useful in terms of making a little story if you're in the background of a shot, making sure that there was a kind of a family dynamic. Especially because Dory was quite a control freak, making us stand near him on set. And stuff and so there was quite a bit of um, uh, negotiation in terms of trying to get away from them a lot of the time, well for me anyway. (laughs) Um, So yeah that stuff was we did a lot of work and there was some amazing backstories written for the families for us to kind of digest and make our own and we tried very hard to actually make that family dynamic work where you know Ori got quite annoyed as as the story went on with Dory didn't you? And in real life.
7: But yeah we worked out uh, our backstory was uh, we were one of the only dwarfs uh groups that had um we had one mother the different fathers um
5: and uh we were brought up quite yeah, that's true so what you had one mother and several different fathers
7: <laughs> no i had one dad but it wasn't the same dad as is right
5: just checking wondering if dwarves are like cats. No, no, just... No. I
7: think our mother was a bit... Naughty. <laughs>
6: <laughs> she
1: Dirty just... <laughs> dwarves.
7: <laughs> she got bored easily. Something... <laughs> and so we have different fathers um, and he, he was from a bit of a rough stock dad and I wasn't.
1: <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, I really looked up to Nori and I wanted to be out um, of my brothers he was uh, Yeah, I, he, I saw him as an adventurer, and I, I wanted to kind of travel travel like he did We felt, we kind of worked out the story that he would constantly be going off and coming back And I looked up to that as, as um, Being all <coughs> but I was like suffocated by Dory um, Who was you know basically a mother to me? Um, So yeah, that was our our relationship, so I was always kind of looking up to to Nori, but being, you know, plaited my hair and fussed about by this old stuffy Dory, who is very much
4: like Mark Hadlow in real life. (laughs) Craig, did you work on some backstory as well for Haldir?
5: I I played him as he was the fourth dwarf brother. (laughs) Just exceptionally good-looking for a dwarf,
1: <laughs> and, uh,
5: and discovered the razor, so he shaved off his dwarven hairiness. Um, <laughs> I sort of—I I, I don't know—it it was. I, it's very weird to um, to play an elf when we were, I think, um, um, king of the elves. Um uh, Elrond. Yeah, Elrond. Um, you know. Elrond. What you yeah. Mean? Hugo. Hugo. There was sort of in the week before shooting so I, th- I think I got to come in on the very first day of shooting which was all weird and these guys had sort of worked together but um, talking with Hugo and we were what do you do as an elf? You know how do you, how do you play this kind of weird? So we were all like started just going well stand up straight and, um, and you've lived forever and you don't like these people. So it was kind of that weird thing of just. <laughs> Kind of going, I don't, know, I don't know. How you play an elf, you know? They're, they're not sort of characters you can look at or people. So um, it, it was more just about finding basing, basically basing it on, on posh English aristocracy who just think they're better than everyone else and um, <laughs> despise everyone else and wish they weren't there and try not to trip. <laughs> so yeah, well, my, my Kate, main concern really was It was, really was, hmm? was what not like Kate and Will. Not like Casey Will, bless him. bless him. Bless him. Well she's just quite an ordinary middle class girl, really, isn't she? Oh. <laughs> Parents made a bit of money selling cardboard. So you don't care, you're you're American. <laughs> you don't even know who we're talking about. If this was England, I'd be dead now. <laughs> <laughs> Memorial mugs would be thrown out there, you know. Um, I was, look, I'm rambling, I'm sorry, I'll stop talking. No, I just I just tried to not trip over. Because the thing is, we, we had a couple of days of like, walking through woods. They go, oh, we're going to just shoot you walking. Never used it in the film, but hours of walking. Contact lenses in, silly little elf boots. But elves, you know, it's, it's forest, so it's like trees. And normally you'd go, but you're elves, so you've got to go.
1: <laughs>
5: and just walking can't see a goddamn thing. There's cliffs everywhere. And you're just going, please don't trip, please don't trip. And um, I tripped a lot. But, <clears throat> yeah, that was... Let's go back to this
4: side, yes. please. Go to someone else.
7: Hi, guys. Um, Hi. I think all of you guys are amazing, but my question is for Mr. Billy Boy. Uh, the character Pippin changes so much between the first film, where he's a bit of a blumbering fool of a took, to the last film, where he's a hero, he saves Faramir. How did you work with yourself to portray that change?
3: Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I think that, that, you know the great thing is is that we had those. It was three movies, you know, because there was a lot of characters, and and all this backstory stuff is actually really important uh, when when you're portraying a character when there is so many, you know, nine of a fellowship and all the other characters. So you have to kind of when you have some time on screen, you have to hit that beat sort of bang on, you know, so that you're, you're telling this story. So I did a thing, I had, um, I set a little office in my, uh, in, in my house in New Zealand, and I, and I I actually mapped out the story from the first to the third movie with a little graph of where I thought Pippin was in, in the moments, and then, it, this just sounds really boring, is it boring? I don't know, but... So I, I would go through, I'd go through the script and put the beats of, you know, knocks a thing down the well, full of a took, and then, you know, to where he, he, he helps the Ents make up their their minds to go and, you know, attack and get them on side. So I had this little graph, and then I'd go back to the book, and I'd find those places in the book, and then I might find a little something uh, that Tolkien had written that hadn't made it into the script and then I'd go to Pete and I'd, I'd say look is there any chance we could maybe put this line in like there's a line when he swears to um, the steward of Gondor where he says about um, uh, Sean, Sean Bean's character uh, dying for him and Mary and that wasn't in it and I thought that was a really important little beat to say look I remember your son and he was a hero you know and you should remember that so, uh, you put all these little beats in, and then hopefully when you watch the movie, it makes a nice arc that tells the story, you know. So that's basically what I did. Thank and you for And the that. memories.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: and the memories.
4: Thanks for that. Like excellent that. question. That was great. We'll yeah. go to this side, please.
0: Um, I guess my question is mostly for Jed. I heard that there was a difference in like the hobbit feet that were used from the first trilogy to the second trilogy. Did you find any other like advancements in the technology that were used in yeah. the two films that changed your like preparation process?
6: Not really. The the biggest advancement in, in terms of all of that physical prosthetic stuff was the fact that they moved from foam latex which frays a lot and you have to do a lot of touch-ups and you know for the feet they, they got destroyed on a daily basis to um, a silicon based prosthetic which is a lot more durable. It's also um, a lot more translucent so it looks more like skin in terms of its light reflection. It's a lot easier to paint and it's a lot lighter to wear and it lasts a lot longer. So from that point of view the feet that, um, that, uh, that Martin got to wear were like feet that had Calves and everything on, and he kind of rolled on and, and wore as a whole piece rather than just being glued onto the foot. And he could wear those for two or three days before they had to replace them, so they were a lot more durable. So from that point of view, those advancements were incredibly cost-effective and also meant that he didn't have to be kind of messed with too much during the shooting. We could do a lot more takes before they and had to wh- do touch-ups. who
3: came up with that idea? Do you know? Um, it was at a workshop. <laughs> but do you yeah. know specifically a person? <laughs> <laughs> Was it like, did Richard go, oh, I've had an idea. And how could he have not had that idea? <laughs> you, you have no idea how, how annoying these feet were. This was, so it was an hour, hour 15 every morning. So instead of starting at 5.30, we started at 4.30 in the morning. We were there before anyone else, you know, except for maybe Me. one, yeah, you maybe, or an uruk or something who'd been there all night. <laughs> yeah. 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 but we would be there standing up putting these feet on and Sean Ashton he, he, he used to go crazy he had little marks on his mirror every time he put the feet on and it, they never got shot so he had like he had like 60 ticks on his on his mirror and they would fall off all the time yeah. we would run through the forest oh my foot's falling off <laughs> and you'd you'd have to go back and that would be another like hour to stick the foot back on, and then t-
5: and t- so as you're saying, makes perfect sense. Like a sock,
3: how brilliant! Yeah, yeah. How, who didn't think of that? <laughs>
6: well, I, I, I think I think the advancements in prosthetics is kind of a worldwide thing, not just a thing at
3: Weta. So I don't know, because I, I think because I never thought of it, and I because I was looking at my feet every day, thinking, why am I getting these feet on? We could have CGI feet on. Why not? Yeah. But where where the um, the join is? You know, where the, the foot joins, the, the, the real foot, yeah. was at her ankle. Yeah. And you think, well, obviously just put it up under my trousers. Yeah, Where the join is, and then yeah. the join doesn't matter so much. It's under your trousers. Can you say that again? <laughs> under my trousers. <laughs> <laughs> or my pants, as you like to say. Although when I say pants, I just think of underpants, like <laughs> your ones, that you steal amongst, he stole everything from set, I hear. And that's the other thing.
6: The underwear got a lot better, too, from the first to the second. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of getting our makeup on, it made it a lot quicker. It was a lot easier to paint. And my, one of my makeups was seven and a half hours, whereas the longest we were ever there was about two and a half, wasn't it? For The Hobbit. Yeah. yeah.
4: Good question, though. Back to this side, please.
2: Is, was there any fear from making the movie from such a well-loved book that had spanned so many generations? Yeah.
6: There is a feeling of a huge responsibility given that so many people love the books and have their own idea of what the character should look like, should sound like and should walk and talk like and There is that kind of feeling that you want to get it right because it's up there forever You know if you make a mistake on film people can rewind it and watch it and laugh at you over and over again so there is there is a little it's not so much a fear as just a wanting to get it right and that you know that started right at the top with the writers and with the director and, and it kind of trickled down to everybody our first day on, on Bag End, and I've, I've told the story a few times, there was Gandalf and there was Bilbo and there was the dwarves. We weren't actors anymore, we were in character with this kind of... You know, we needed to get this right because it, it's been a part of so many people's lives for so long. And if you get it wrong, they're going to not be very happy. So, so there was a feeling of
5: responsibility rather than fear. I speak for myself. Was there... Um, oh, sorry, rightly, but... I'm asking a question now. I can run down the back and ask from there if All that's right. easier. Uh, <coughs> uh, because I think with with rings, you guys particularly, you know, you knew the you knew the importance of the books to people, but you didn't quite realise just how huge the the, it, it, the phenomenon it was going to be. Yeah, we didn't, did we? You guys did. You had yeah. seen you had met these people. You had seen the level of passion there was towards these stories and since the films. So. Slightly easier, I think, for you guys, because you're coming in going, we're just going to New Zealand to make this film. It could be crap, it could be good, whatever. Yeah. You guys knew exactly what you guys would do if they screwed it up. (laughs) And did did you feel that?
3: Uh... (laughs) (laughs) I'd be a terrible interviewer. (laughs) There's still one (laughs) to (laughs) go. Sorry. (laughs)
7: Um, No, I, I... I mean, when you got the phone call saying you were in The Hobbit, you knew how massive the job was, you know. Um, But somehow, you know, it was kind of easier not to think about that because you're in New Zealand and you think you're kind of doing... A Really big film for Pete. You don't realize the whole world is waiting for this movie. I mean you do Google a little bit (laughs) And you you do realize people are out there looking forward to it, but I think I didn't realize until uh, The unexpected journey came out how big this was and that then it shocked me I was like oh crumbs. This is (laughs) This is quite big. Um, but I, doing, on set, I think we all, as actors, tried... Of course we knew, you know, we had to live up to Lord of the Rings, but we kind of concentrated on the fact that we were doing a, a different story, and uh, this was a, a new, new story and a new adventure for us. So we had it in the back of our mind, but it was, it, I think it was a dangerous place to go, going, you know, oh... This is... We were trying to focus... Is that right, yeah. do you
6: think? Yeah. And it's also... Like we'd had so much fun together in that eight weeks of preparing that <clears throat> it. was just kind of like continuing the journey of just having a good time together. There was a lot of laughter, and it was the same on Rings. There was an awful lot of humour.
1: You
6: know, um, a lot of very funny people, and you know, Martin kind of kept us entertained all day, which was great. We didn't really have to think about what we were doing, but there is that... You know, I think it was harder for the filmmakers and for us. I think that how do you top the brilliance of Lord of the Rings, the trilogy, how do you top you know something that changed the landscape of filmmaking, especially fantasy filmmaking forever?
7: I, th- I think for them, I think they probably had it more in the back of their minds than we did. And, and for d- dwarves especially, you're going okay there was one dwarf in Lord of the Rings you know we all can't be like Gimli so it's not like we're trying to copy Gimli, we're bringing our own own thing to it so it was um yeah, in that way, it was very different because we were going, okay, these car- these, the world of dwarfs haven't really been seen yet, so we're bringing a new thing to, yeah. the, to, to the world. So in that, if I was playing an elf, I'd probably be a lot more scared. Because you know, you know, or a hobbit. But because um, it was a dwarf, I think you could bring so much more things that people hadn't seen.
4: Thanks, guys. We're down to about five minutes and so we'll take this question but first I wanted to ask particularly the vets. There's always talk of a box set of a giant super deluxe Lord of the Rings edition with lots of the stuff that never made it and obviously behind the scenes was there. Having lived through that, is that something you would look forward to and have you heard anything about it? What do you guys not have it? (laughs) (coughs)
1: <laughs> <coughs> Me
3: and Bill, we've got one, eh? Yeah. <laughs> it's 580,000
5: hours long.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Each movie. Yeah.
5: It's in 5D. <laughs> and it contains the fourth mo- unreleased movie, yeah, The A- yeah. Rings.
6: Yeah. I play 27 characters. <laughs> um, I, look, I know that I know that the filmmakers would love to one day have the time to sit down and go through those millions and it's millions of feet of 35 mil that we're talking about for the behind the scenes it's a lot easier on digital to be able to compile that stuff with film you have to process it first which is very expensive and then you have to choose what you're actually going to show so I imagine that if if Peter and and co have 10 years spare time they might actually be able to cut that together and I know that, that Pete has every intention of doing that but whether he'll ever get to do it I don't know I think it would be fantastic I know you guys and girls and women and men would all watch it
3: and that's just the actual you know that's just the footage of the film and there was always you know michael pellerin was there making the behind the scenes and then there was costas making them another behind the scenes yeah. so there's just so much footage you know i think if we started watching now we'd all be dead by the time <laughs> we finished that so you know there is a lot of stuff I, I don't know how much else there will be coming out I'm sure there will be other box sets bless you Bless you. Yeah. what an absolute shame for the man in front he get covered in snots.
1: <laughs>
3: terrible thing to do Let's... luckily he's dressed as a hulk so I hardly notice it exactly
4: this may be our final question on this side
2: Hi. This is for all of you. Um, if you could live anywhere in Middle Earth, where would it be?
3: Ooh, Rivendell is really beautiful, but it's full of elves, <laughs> which rules it out. So it's got to be the Shire. That's the Shire.
5: And Tookbutter in in particular. Where were? Took butter. Yes. Very nice. Tookbutter.
6: Yeah, I think we'd all love to live in Tukbutta, but we would definitely be dragging down the district if we did that. But that would be, I'd love to live in the Shire with all that long bottom leaf and all the, the, the barley brie beer and... Long bottom leaf. Long bottom leaf.
7: <laughs>
1: Sounds it's like, like lavatory paper. Shire.
7: <laughs> I, think, I think Bayon's house. Ah,
1: it's big. Yeah. The
5: Where? spoons are like, Bayon's house. Is that the where the bear chases you and yeah. then you go and hide in that house? Yeah. yeah, it was a bear, wasn't it? Yeah, big bear. He's a shapeshifter,
7: right, Craig? That is the mo- that was one of the most incredible sets, like, um, wasn't it? Just it was a beautiful, beautiful set, and because uh, you were a dwarf, everything's really big. So you'd have like a really big bed and a really big chair, <laughs> and, <a spring. laughs> and really big dinner plate. Huge, big. Cups of beer on this big wall. Oh, Actually, huge. what would be a problem? There would be nothing that would be a problem if,
5: it, if you lived in a house that was a bit bigger than you. Yeah, what if, what if you like, in the middle of the night you get up and you desperately need to wee, and you get out there and the toilet's up here. <laughs>
1: Just...
5: Yeah. And you're gonna be jumping, and then, oh, oh! Yeah. Then you is get why... your
3: big mop. Yeah. It's a gay mop. <laughs> Easy. Mop that. And up your away. giant Jed undies that you can mop
5: it on
6: put on. <laughs> it's one of the things you never see, you never see anyone in Middle Earth ever stop and go. it's not interesting anyway. We tried to
3: put that scene in actually. We honestly, me and Dom pitched it to Pete, he wasn't having it. There was a few that we, we pitched that and Pete was like, nah. We really we wanted this a scene that I, I really wanted. when we'd stopped you know and and, and it's just beautiful vista and we're up this mountain and we says look could we not have Vigo looking out you know looking to see how he's going to take us what's the next path and we wanted me and Dom just to come up and stand next to him just kind of look as well (laughs) and then for one of us just to (laughs) And for Vigo just to, <laughs> and just walk away, you know, wouldn't that have been wonderful?
1: <laughs> be good, eh?
6: Well, um, maybe we'll oh. put that in when we do the remake next year.
3: <laughs> also, Tom, <laughs> Tom, when we left Rivendell... <laughs> He wanted to, when we were walking out. He wanted there to be a, a pregnant elf <laughs> that he's like. Sorry. <laughs> that, you could have that, could you?
6: That that brings up a little. That brings up a little question. Is it just me, or does Keely look a little bit like Aaron
5: in a weird way? <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine too, like old lady. Be- <laughs> oh.
1: Big
4: cheekbones. We're going to squeeze in hobbits. one more question from this side.
1: <laughs> Hi guys,
3: um, my Wait. question is for all of you. Um, did the dwarves do anything like the hobbits and play TIG? And what? And what? Sorry, we And played TIG. TIG was a game that we made up. Uh, uh, You know, there's a lot hanging around when you're filming, as we all know. Um, And me and Dom were standing one day just going, Tig. (laughs) And he was going, Tig. (laughs) And Elijah walked past and said, what are you doing? we said, oh, we're playing Tig. (laughs) And he's like, what's that? So we just made up a game there. We went, Tig. and (laughs) And he went, Tig. I well, tag, double tag, and then Elijah's like, oh, I want to play. So then we would tag him, and he would come back and tag, and we said, well, you can't tag a tag. (laughs) And then Orlando, to be honest, isn't the quickest, (laughs) you know, came, and he just jumped right into it. He just, he was walking past, and he said, what are you doing? And we said, oh, we're playing tag, and he went, oh, great, tag. And so he knew it was a joke straight away Elijah didn't And he asked to play TIG virtually every day And we we forgot to tell him that it was a made up game And a few months later he came up and said We never play TIG anymore We, we, didn't, we didn't really do that Martin would get
6: us playing a game where you had to do um, You had to you have to think of a band and then the last uh, letter of that band would be the first letter of the next band. He came up with a lot of games that we needed to play to I keep happy.
7: We, I remember two games one of them was um, one of them was usually Martin going okay right your agent's on the phone he, need, he needs a decision now okay you've got, to, you've got to, Okay, so your next offer is they're doing the Simmerillion and you're in prosthetic makeup it takes five hours every morning to do it they're going to shoot for 10 years. <laughs> uh, the money's not great. <laughs> um, you, I mean, you're, you're going you're to live in New Zealand. It'd be nice, but they're cutting down so you won't have a trailer. But it's work, you know. But you would be getting up at 4 in the morning. Or. Um, a Pinto Dancing with the stars. <laughs> and you had to choose. You had to choose. I always pick dancing with the stars. But, um. Yeah, stuff, something like that. So that was always one. Yeah. And then the other game, that went on forever, that game was brilliant. Yeah. And the other game was, uh, do you remember we had a big game of I've got a business? Uh, you, do yeah. you know that game? Yeah, I've got a business so and then you, you ask go, questions. So you go, um, I've got a business. What's your business? I, ru- I run a lift company. Oh, um, how, how, how's business? it's well, a bit up and down at the moment. Hey! It can go on forever! Yeah. That's go on,
3: good. go on, got do one. Got to... I've got to do so one. Go on, do yeah. one. Um, um, you've, got to, you've got to find a business. Uh, uh, I, I, I've I, got a business. <laughs> what's your business? Uh, what's your business, Billy? Um, I run a lift company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go on, do one,
7: do one. Do one, do one. Um,
3: I've got a
6: business. Uh, what's your business,
7: Jed? I make cheese. How's your business?
6: Oh, it's curdling.
1: <laughs> that's See, a that's bad. a bad one. That's I've a,
5: got a
6: business.
1: A what's your business? What's
3: your
5: business, craig? I'm a vampire. How's business? How's business? It sucks. <laughs>
4: Ladies and gentlemen, let's...
6: We also had to play um, table tennis with Martin a lot. And we had to let him win. (laughs) That was in our contract. He must win because he's the lead. And I know that he tells people he's a very flash table tennis player.
4: He's okay. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give these four gentlemen a huge thank thank you.
0: Riley before we go let me ask you what's your business? (laughs) Uh, Podcasting Podcasting where can people find you? (laughs) <laughs> at starwarsreport.com starwarsreport.com one of the best Star Wars podcasts in the world and uh, if you still haven't got enough Star Wars in your life you can also check out Secrets of Star Wars which is a show that I host uh, together with my good friend uh, Dom Bettinelli and uh, there are so many other podcasts that you might enjoy on the website of the StarQuest Production Network over at sqpn.com there is Middle Earth, The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, Star Wars, The Harry Potter, you name it, we've got it. So, thanks for listening, and talk to you soon.
1: SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.